You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Tonight we're going to be talking about Flannel Man again. We have four stories tonight. We've got two longer stories from Deborah and Christina, kind of a medium-length story from John, and a, a real short little story from Catherine. As you're listening, take note of how similar Deborah and Christina's stories are. It's remarkable. They did not know each other. They both called me separately. And the stories are just just remarkably similar. So I think that's very interesting. 
Well, it's a long show, so let's get right to it. The first story is from Deborah. had like a maybe flannel man experience it's it's really really interesting though you contacted me because you heard us talking about flannel man or well i guess you heard this last podcast mention us got interested because of this flannel man story and then you contacted me so this was i know you said you had some things happen before this but the story kind of starts in 2001 right did it begin with this weird answering machine message or yeah, yeah. So so that was kind of the thing that set off this like whole, you know, couple hours of weird events that happened. So like I said, I have always experienced deja rêve, which is a little bit different than deja vu. Deja vu is already lived where you feel like, you know, you've experienced that before and deja rêve is where you feel like you've dreamt it before. So that's happened my whole life. Uh, experienced it at various times and uh, most of the time it's just like little random snippets of my life you know it, it seems you know pretty meaningless most of the time it's like oh yeah you know I walked around that corner or oh yeah you know I dreamt I was in the shopping mall at this particular time or hanging up blinds in my bedroom or something you know just weird little things so I'm not unaccustomed to that and it still happens every once in a while but in 2001 Um, I was renting a home in Corona, California with a roommate, and my roommate and I decided to go on a road trip up to Canada. We were gone for about a week and a half or so, Um, and we uh, had some some neighbors watching our house and doing some dog sitting. My roommate had a couple of dogs, and we came back, and I checked my messages on my phone. And I had kind of this weird voicemail. And it was a recording of a two-way conversation between a telemarketer and this other man that I didn't recognize. And it was really bizarre to me first because, you know, this is the type of phone it was. It was a corded phone. And the answering machine was built into the phone itself. It was a... It, it didn't have a tape, but it had like a, it was a digital recording, but there was no way to record a two-way conversation. The minute you lifted the receiver, the recording would stop every time. So I'm checking my messages and it's this telemarketer and he's kind of this younger, fast-talking guy and he's going through a spiel. And then this other man kind of interrupts him and says, well, they're not home right now. I'm just watching the house. And uh, the telemarketer, you know, says, oh, you know, do you know when they'll be back? And the man says, they'll be back in about a week. And they end the call. And I was just, you know, a little bit worried, a little bit scared, perplexed. How did this even happen? I called my roommate in. We're like, you know, what is this? How did this even take place? And called the the neighbors who had been watching the house to come over and kind of like explain themselves, you know, about like what was going on while we were gone. And uh, while they're, you know, we're waiting for them to come over, 
my roommate and I are trying to replicate, like, how the heck did you, could you record a two-way conversation? And he's calling from, you know, the main line in the house, the other line in the house, because I had my own dedicated phone line, too. That was the other crazy thing is, you know, my phone line was in my bedroom, locked away, nobody was in there. And so he's calling from the main phone, and, and we tried all these different ways to try to replicate it. Maybe if we you know, do this, maybe if we wait 10 seconds or 15 seconds before answering and no, every time it would, it would, um, disconnect when, uh, when you lifted the receiver. So, um, the neighbors come over and I asked them, you know, do you recognize this person? Who is this? And they were adamant 100%. They had not let anybody into the house. They were actually there most of the time. Cause we had a better cable package than they did at the time. <laughs> so they were, you know, using our, our free air conditioning rather than their own. And and they said, no, no one was ever here. And besides, no one can get in because you have these two big old pit bulls. Like, nobody's going to come into the house. By this time, we, you know, we moved to the living room and we were talking more about, about you know, how this could happen. We thought, like, well, maybe it's crossed wires. You know, somebody else in the neighborhood, you know, answered the, their phone in their house and it mysteriously, like, picked up in my room somehow and that didn't really make much sense and how did was it so much of a coincidence that we were coming back in exactly this time this mystery person had said we were going to come back and I just remember time kind of like either time slowed down or my brain sped up because all of a sudden I got this flash of you know deja rêve and I thought oh man I have dreamt this before you know, the, the husband is going to say this, and then the wife is going to say this, and then my roommate is going to say this, and I'm going to look down the hall, and I'm going to see the man. And, you know, sure enough, the, the husband said exactly what he I thought he was going to say, and the wife said exactly what I had, you know, expected her to say from my dream, and same thing with my roommate. And then when I looked down the hall, there was no man which I was kind of glad about. <laughs> but at right at that point, like right as I'm I'm looking to see, you know, expecting to see this man in my hallway, the dogs who were kind of, you know, they were kind of sleeping a little bit, eyes closed, laying down by the couch. They both get up at the same time, walk over to the hall, sit down at the same time and just stare down the hallway. And at, at, down the hallway where you had the notion that the man was going to appear. Yes. Yeah. Just right down, right down to the same spot to the end of the hallway, just sat there and stared down at the hallway. Didn't do anything. Didn't bark, didn't growl. They weren't freaking out or anything. Just like got up in unison, walked over in unison and sat down in unison and stared there for probably 15, 20 seconds, maybe um, not a, not a huge amount of time and then they kind of just like lost interest and one walked off into the kitchen and one went back over to where he was sleeping and laid back down and went to sleep wow and i kind of i kind of lost it a little bit i think i was about to pass out it was just so bizarre everything that happened in that like short span of time what was so spooky so when you looked down the hall, there was no man. But in the dream, there was a man. Yes. Yeah. So in my dream, he was this kind of I, a Caucasian man, tallish, had dark 
wavy, almost curly hair. It was um, thickish, not long, but it was thick on the top. And a beard, a full beard and mustache. It was it was full, but it was cut short. It wasn't like a big old long beard or anything like that. And he was wearing a red and black flannel button-up shirt and jeans. I want to say they're more like denim pants than, you know, they didn't have like, you know, like the double seam or they weren't as tailored as, as jeans are these days. Right. They're more just like heavy, thick denim, dark blue denim pants. And so when I heard about your podcast, I was like, ah, that's the guy. Wow. So d- did he, did he do anything else or did he, did he walk away or, or, I mean, do you remember it's, you know, no, you know. in my dream, he was just, he was just standing there and I didn't get the impression that he was either positive or negative. He was just, just neutral, just observing. He was just there. He was, he didn't move. It's not like he was, I didn't feel like he was frozen. He was just, he was just hanging out. He was just watching us, you know, talk and just observing. That's par for the course with this flannel man guy. Most people don't get. I think I I have one one person might have said they got a pretty negative vibe from him, but uh, otherwise, usually people people are surprised but not particularly frightened by him. Yeah, I was definitely spooked with all the stuff that had happened. I was weirded out, but I was never I was never frightened. And even you know, like a day or two later, I talked to my aunt. And she was like, oh, my gosh, that was the guy. That sounds like that guy that was on my porch. Um, And that kind of weirded me out. And she told me a story about how she had her friend over. She thinks she was trying to remember. She thinks it was one of my cousin's birthday parties when, you know, they were little kids. And one of her friends was uh, towards the front of the house and, and looked out onto the porch and saw a man and my aunt lives in kind of like a semi-rural area where there's like you know six foot chain link fences on the front and everybody's got a bunch of dogs and you know nobody gets into your yard and unless they're supposed to be there unless you're letting them in and so it was really weird to see somebody on the porch and she actually made eye contact according to my aunt. And she said she didn't get a weird vibe. She, she felt like she got a vibe like, Oh, he's just watching over the place. Cause she kind of realized early on that that wasn't a person. And then, so, you know, she turned to tell my aunt like, Hey, come look at this. And when she turned back, he was gone. And I texted my aunt just kind of, cause I knew I'd be talking to you I kind of just cold texted her. I didn't really tell her anything because I wanted her to give me her recollection of it. But I said, like, hey, do you remember, you know, what what your friends said about that guy who was on your porch? And my aunt wrote back and said, she said he looked like an old ranch hand wearing jeans and a flannel shirt. Wow. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's so nuts. And see, you know, I've heard different different stories on your podcasts and stuff where they've said like, you know, maybe there was an ax involved or they got a feeling like um, he was a lumberjack kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I never got that feeling. And maybe it's because I'm from Southern California and we don't really have trees that people cut down down here. (laughs) We don't have like a history of lumberjacks or that's not part of our kind of cultural identity down here. I got a feeling that he was like a laborer 
And like my aunt said, her friend got a feeling that he was like an old ranch hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if that's not, like you said, either geographic or, you know, when we very first started talking about this, I was thinking like, are we playing with like the Paul Bunyan archetype here? You know what I mean? Like the, the, right. the, the sort of American experience kind of thing. But it's, I've had people contact me and tell me about meditation experiences and they see spirits in flannel and I mean, it's all across the board. And I mean, it's almost like you don't expect flannel, you know, you don't see uh, Eastern, you know, mandalas with Buddhas draped in flannel. It's, you know, it's, it's not a outside of perhaps somewhere in in Celtic uh, mythology. I'm sure they have, they have some uh, stuff with the tartan outside of that. You know, you just don't find flannel too much, you know, along with these sort of uh, otherworldly things. Or, or rather, I guess you do, but it seems so unexpected. It seems like, you know, they, they should be wearing some sort of, you know, transparent smock or right. Victorian, you know, uh, fancy dress or something. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of the thing that, that was interesting to me, too, because, you know, you always imagine these things as, as way older. And... All, when I when I think about this guy, I don't feel like he's from like our current time at all. But it's not like he's you know three hundred years old and the ghost of some you know maligned person. You know, it it's just this kind of dude who is hanging out. And you know, if this is something that is just like kind of this universal manifestation that you know kind of some some of the same ways like certain dream imagery is kind of universal right. you know it that's still a crazy thing it is, you know that yeah. it's this like the dude in, in flannel you know where does that come from yeah and, it, and it, it's a fairly timeless look too in, in that you know you can you can go to a store today and buy a flannel shirt and dungarees and right. you know going back into the 1800s it, w- it would have been a fairly not out of this world look then either so it's it's fairly timeless in that sense and then it has these aspects of like you know, when people talk about the men in black, there's this sort of timeless, like, black hats and black suits. They're, they're, right. You know, they sort of they sort of don't belong here, but they sort, you know, they could. Yeah. You know, it, it has the element of that. It's, it's very, very strange. The phone conversation that was recorded was the entire conversation on the message. Yeah, it sounded it sounded to be. It sounded like a full conversation. It wasn't a partial thing. I don't recall specifically if there was a hello at the beginning or if I if I just started if I just remember the guy talking. I don't recall it being cut off in any way. I I I think I would have remembered that. I really wish I still had it. Honestly, I even even when I I deleted it, I was like, oh, "I'm going to regret this." I know, but after about a week of having that thing on my answering machine and having it play every time, it's like, here's your new messages and here's your old messages from the creepy ghost guy. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I need to, I'm just going to delete it. I just, I know I'm going to obsess over this. I don't want to dwell on this completely. And I, it was, it was creeping me out more and more. So I, I got rid of it. I had some, you know, what I call, alien abduction i put that in quotes i don't think they were aliens nor do i i believe i ever left my bed but i i was taping myself at night i had a sound activated recorder and it creeped me out so much at the time that that i i literally threw the tape away i tore it out of the recorder and threw it away i i I could not handle it i could not wrap my head around it 
but now I wish I had that tape so bad. Right. <laughs> I was like, now I'm ready for it. Now I could handle it. But at the time, I was there, there was no way. I just couldn't. I was like, nope, not dealing with this. Did I did not like what I heard at all. And I I didn't even listen to the whole tape. I remember. I think I listened to about half of it and just like, nope, this is I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, I, you know, you kind of just do what you got to do for your mental health at the time. And I, I, yeah, I had the feeling that I was going to regret it. But it was it was a kind of a, a weird time. I think it was right around the first anniversary of my mom's death. And, you know, I was living on my own for the first time. And I was in my early 20s. And I was like, I need to preserve my mental health here. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna do this. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I you know, it's believe me. I wish you had it too. I'd love to play it. I mean, how amazing would that right? be to, to to play it here? But yeah, I, I completely understand. I did you know like for not in the same situation, but essentially I did the same thing. I just couldn't. I could not wrap my head around it at the time. Yeah. Oh, and you know the the other thing that was kind of interesting. I I was looking in kind of preparation for our call. I was looking to make sure like I had my timelines right and you know trying to think back to to recall the details as accurately as I could and and write them out to you. And I remember at the time that when the man said, they'll be back in about a week, I remember the timestamp being, it was exactly one week prior to the day that we arrived home. It was exactly one week. And because I, I was like, oh my gosh, he knew when we'd be back. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I looked back at the calendar based on like our trip and because I we I know we went and we spent, you know, drove up and we spent Halloween here and a few days here and came back here. And this is the weekend that we did this. And so I, I even though it was so long ago, I, I still have a really good idea of when that took place and, and the kind of timeline. So it didn't click on me until I was looking at the calendar just, a, you know, last week that based on the timeline that recording either happened on Halloween or the next day, which is November the 1st, which is the first anniversary of my mom's death. Oh, wow. So I don't know if that has anything. And I mean, you know, I have no idea if the person I saw in, in my hallway, in my dream, it has any connection whatsoever to this right, right. thing on my answering machine. But, you know, between that and my and the dogs, you know, doing that kind of thing. It was just so bizarre, right in a row like that, that in my head everything lumps together. Yeah, sure. Was it your your aunt you talked to after seeing this, and they uh, thought it might be a lost spirit? Yeah, yeah. She was like, "Oh, that sounds like the guy that was on my porch," and and I I had actually lived there for a few months after my mom died. I moved in with my my aunt. Um, for a couple of months, just while I was kind of, you know, getting my bearings together and before I found this this house to rent. And so she thought maybe he followed me from her house to, you know, this new house. And and she was like, you know, um, you know, I think you should you should light a candle in the house and then take it out to, you know, the crossroads. I lived on the corner of the street. She's like, take it out to the intersection and blow out the candle and then he'll just kind of disperse. I don't know where she got this from at all. I, some of the stuff that we come up with in our family is kind of <laughs> like <laughs> out there. It's not really based on anything. But that just sounded like the worst idea ever. I just thought, okay, number one, this guy never 
seem to want to do any harm. Like, I'm not saying he was good. It was, he, he just was neutral. And I just thought, oh, that was, that was such a bummer just to like scatter somebody out to the wind. I don't want to do that. And then like, alternately, what if he, that makes him really mad? Like, yeah, we're well, like an even yeah. thing here. I don't want to ruin it. And so there were actually like two more times. There were two more times where it happened where I was alone in that house and the dogs did the same thing where they would they were in another room one time they were in another room and one time they were you know just sleeping by my feet kind of thing and they both got up and both sat down in front of the hallway and the first time i would just grab my purse and i was like i'm going to a friend's house i'm out you know it's enough for me I'll give you i'll give you some space dude like i'm just gonna go to a friend's house for a while and let you hang out here and then the second time it happened, I was just like, oh, I can't, I don't want to keep doing this. And so I said out loud, I was like, okay, you know, man, I don't know who you are, what you want, but I don't think you want to hurt me. And I definitely don't want to harm you. So you just stay on your side of the existential plane and I will stay on mine and let's leave each other alone. I got this image in my head of like an old fashioned window just slamming shut. And I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but um, it never happened again. I never, I, the dogs never did anything weird while I was there. I never got any weird messages from, you know, anywhere else. Nothing strange happened with my answering machine. There was no other bizarre happenings in that house whatsoever. Um, And I didn't experience anything like that again. How long did you live there overall then? I lived there three years. Three years. How soon after moving in did this happen? Let's see. So we moved in in April of 2001. Yeah. April of 2001, I think. And let's see. Was that right? Or April of 2000. So you were there a good long time. Yeah, we were there a while. And hadn't had anything happen previous to this. No, no, nothing had happened there before. And nothing after saying to him, uh, you go your way and I'll go mine. Or Yeah, no, nothing, mine. nothing creepy there at all. I mean, I never heard any, you know, well, and I, I never really heard any noises, but I never had any other dreams. The dogs didn't go nuts. I mean, I think he just like was like, all right. Or he, I don't know if it was an entity that could control like, you know, what he was how he was manifesting to the animals. He knocked it off or something. I've, I don't know. But I, I never experienced anything like that ever again. Yeah, and it, actually, I stopped kind of having the same intensity of those dreams as well. So I don't know if I kind of like turn something off in my own head. Oh, whereas like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah, yeah, maybe. The thing about this guy, and if people are seeing the same guy, I don't know. Like, there's so many I don't knows with it. That's the thing. I mean, other than the account of the, the one in the mine who walked out and actually comforted the miners and said, don't worry, you're going to be res- rescued, and then right. the, and then walked back through a, a bizarre door in the side of the mine that no one else could find. Other than that one, it, you know, he seems almost like an observer. Like you said, he seems very neutral. Like people yeah. don't particularly get a bad feeling about him, but there's always this like, well, why? Like, why is he here? You know, like, what's he doing? 
and why. It's not like you know someone can pin like, oh, he's a he's a hungry ghost. He's got unfinished business, or you know, some kind of restless spirit, or some guardian of this or that. It's very interesting, and I have some questions that I that I have to ask flannel man witnesses and we'll just we'll put flannel man in quotes and we you know we don't know if anyone if everyone's seen the same thing or not but i have a set of weird questions that i ask bigfoot witnesses that seem to have nothing to do with bigfoot but i found over time you get a lot of yes answers uh, for instance you know did you see weird lights around this or, or around the same time etc and you find you you get uh, often people with like yeah i did as a matter of fact and the the questions I'm coming up with the flannel man are, uh, there's just two so far. I'm sure over time I'll get more. But first of all, did you have any sleep paralysis in your life? No, I had never experienced sleep paralysis. And secondarily, and I, I know the answer to this, but for the listeners, have you seen any uh, black dog kind of visions or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, I did see a black dog. It was, I was probably about... Five, six, seven, round about in there. It was just one time that I saw it. It was at my grandparents' house. I had uh, woken up to, or maybe I was, I think I was kind of awake. I, 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 I think I was supposed to be asleep, but I, I was awake and uh, decided that I was going to go out to the kitchen to get a glass of water and walk down the hallway, turn the corner, and as I looked across the living room, to in, in kind of the dining room area, this dog kind of, I, I want to say like slowly materialized out of the darkness to where, you know, it was, it was darker. It was really dark that night there. I remember it just being like completely pitch black, but somehow like the, the definition of this dog started to come through and uh, had red glowing eyes and, had, you know, it was like its mouth was kind of in a snarling type, you know, it was making its snarling face. And I could see like the outline of the dog and I could see the outline of its teeth and, you know, of course, see its eyes really vividly. And um, I kind of just noped out and went back to bed and, you know, figured it was all my imagination. Wow. Didn't scream. No, no, because waking up everybody else in the house would have been probably like more frightening to me at that time than any sort of like demonic attack. <laughs> I understand that in a, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't don't want to wake them up. Yeah, no, that was not an option. Screaming. I'm not a screamer anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more like kind of like I get paralyzed vocal cords right. uh, basically when I get really scared. Yeah. But yeah, I just saw that thing and I was like, yeah, nope, not going. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, like it was really scary. And I, I thought, no, this cannot be real. Like I, I can't, this cannot be there, but I, there's no way I'm going over there. And I just went back to bed. So I don't know what that means either. Only that I'm getting like people who saw Flannel Man and also saw these things. It's so weird. But and again, I don't, and and not at the same time. My wife saw them separately, years apart, as as did you. I don't know. How, you know, she saw the the dogs when she was just just a little kid, and then didn't see Flannel Man until you know she was a young adult. That's uh, so crazy. Did they did with her? Did the dogs try to attack her at all? Um, I don't believe so. I think she, she would just see them in the corner of her room. She hated her bedroom. Even at the time we started dating, she was, you know, in college and she was kind of 
moved out for a while in college and moved back home and moved back to college, you know, like, like as, as young adults do. So mm-hmm. th- there was a time, you know, where, where we were dating, where she was, you know, li- living in her parents' house. And she, even as a, like I said, as a young adult, as, you know, at 18 or 20, or, or I think we started dating when she was 19. Even at that point, she used to tell me, I hate my room. I hate that room up there. And I'd say, wow. why? And again, this is, she's a complete skeptic. She doesn't believe in any of this stuff. But she said, because the, the devil dogs, I just, I hate them. <laughs> So uh, I guess she, you know, she saw him when she was little. I don't think they tried to attack her, but she slept with her with the light on. And well, she still sleeps with the light on to this day because of that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This thing never, uh, like, it never followed. I don't know what would have happened if I had, you know, I don't know, walked towards it. Like that would have not happened. That that wouldn't have happened at all. I would not have gone any, you know, as soon as I started to see this thing kind of be defined in the darkness there. I froze, but but it didn't come after me. It wasn't like it was. It looked really mean. It looked like something I did not want to like, right. you know, go pet or anything. But it didn't come after me, and I never felt like it was going to come past that point in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and like I said, I don't think hers came out of this one sort of area of her room. It's a kind of a sort of a corner. It was her room was shaped very odd. It was shaped almost shaped like an L. It, it was like down the, the the long side of the L, you know, so that like the top of the L, I guess you would say. I think I don't think they left that area, but it was it was enough to affect. I mean, it, it affected her her whole life. You, you know, when I when I brought up that that you would see them, and like I said, a couple other flannel man witnesses had seen her. She she said no, nope. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> nope, don't want to hear about it. So yeah, uh, I was listening to your podcast and. You know, you know, one of your other guests was talking about how it's like darker than the night around it, and was, that is the perfect uh, description. It was so spot on, and and yeah, I would have never put the two together. It was, I mean, there's been like little, you know, paranormal things here and there in my life, and you know, and I've I've had another really specific dream where I, you know, dreamt somebody was in the room, and then when it actually happened, they weren't there someone being a, like a real person that you knew no no like a like a a non-person mm-hmm. um so yeah so that this whole thing with the flannel man this was not the first time this had happened oh, okay so it was a very similar event just not with the flannel man it was with a, another being yeah okay yeah and the the one the flannel man was just like crazy because of the the recording and then with the dogs and the other people who were kind of listened to this recording and so I couldn't say like oh this is this was just in my head I mean right yeah so the other one was was kind of similar but that person in my dream interacted just a little bit more they were still observing but they were kind of laughing along with something that I was doing as a joke but but you know I remember telling a friend like oh I had the craziest dream so I, at least I had that but it's not like I had any kind of verifiable evidence or corroborating witnesses who were there to say like oh no this isn't just like some misfired synapse in your brain that's causing you to think that you dreamt this right yeah and and that's the thing i mean seeing shadowy dogs or whatever entities you know as real as they seem to be you can always sort of question it in your head you can always well maybe you know maybe maybe it's something else or maybe it's it, it wasn't what i thought it was or that, but when you have that, well, it wasn't a tape, but that, that recording, that the physical evidence, the real world sort of evidence. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre. Did uh, the male voice uh, have any sort of accent or anything? Or, or, nope. He, he sounded Caucasian. 
he sounded older than me at the time. I was I was like 22 at the time, and he probably sounded like he was in his, you know, 50s somewhere around there. Not not terribly old. It wasn't like he was an old man, um, but not, you know, not anywhere towards my age. He sounded a little bit kind of taken aback, I think, by the pace of the telemarketer's tone of voice and the speed of at which he was talking because this guy was like rattling off his spiel like he had this thing down <laughs> and um the guy was kind of like you know like oh, oh you know they're not they're not here i'm just watching the house that was the, that was the part that was so crazy i'm just watching the house yeah all spooky stuff but no he had a, he had a very kind of um i would say uh moderately deep voice he didn't sound, it, it was a strong voice. So he didn't sound feeble. You know, I'm, I'm, I kind of equate it with like a, a Western or Midwestern vibe. It wasn't, he didn't have any definitive accent, but he definitely felt like a, like a sturdy working class guy to me. Like, like maybe one of my uncles who was like a big guy had been, you know, working in, sure. in Long Beach his whole life or something like that, you know, just. Now, at, at like, some point, you had to think, like, oh, oh my gosh, intruder. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So you, Yeah, that was my first thought. I'm, I'm assuming you, you, well, you did when you called your neighbors. You kind of eliminated that possibility. But was there, you know, a time, I guess, you said it was, uh, your roommate was female as well, right? No, male. Oh, it was a male roommate. Okay. All right. Yeah. But you did have the dogs, too. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, and they were, I mean... There, one was a, a pit and one was a pit mastiff mix and huge. Yeah. And they're sweet dogs, like really great loving family dogs. But I would not want to try to enter that house or that yard or anything without permission. Like, Sure, yeah. yeah. It's the kind of dog that if you're uh, thinking of uh, breaking in somewhere, that's the kind of dog that gives you second, third, and, and fourth thoughts. You know? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, it, these are big dogs. Yeah. Well, especially the one. He was huge. Huge, and I mean, even though they were loving, sweet, happy family dogs, they're not necessarily like that to people who would like look over the fence or, you know. And and there was no sign of entry anywhere. And even if somebody had got into the house completely undetected, you know, no sign of of forced entry, gotten past the dogs. How the heck did they do the recording when yeah. my phone didn't do recordings like and, that? And it makes no sense. Like, if you, if you had broken this, why would you answer their phone anyway? Right. <laughs> It'd be the right. La- last thing you'd want to do. Le- le- I'm going to leave fingerprints and evidence that I was here, if, you yeah. know, presumably. Yeah, it's so weird. And if it was some, like, quirk thing where, you know, I can see if maybe it was, like, you know, back in the day, cordless phones were kind of quirky and maybe they'd, like, pick up on a baby monitor. This was not a cordless phone. This was a corded phone uh, and not a cheap one. I mean, I, I remember spending, like, a good amount of money on it at the time relative to what phones cost back then. It was all connected and there was no speakerphone function on there. So it's not like you could press speakerphone and and let it go recording. I mean, it was... It wasn't state-of-the-art technology, but it was good enough not to do, like, weird stuff like that. Right. And then even if it was, even if there was, like, I don't know, cross wires at the telephone, you know, junction, that was the other thing. How did he know when we would be back? Well, exactly. Like, so I'm a telephone man. Outside chance, yeah, there could have been 
it, it's so outside it's it's ridiculous but but just knowing like having done telephone work you know when i was younger yeah it's possible cross wires but there's other factors too like they would he would have to see i don't know that it would re- have recorded that though if he was outside somewhere else and there were just cross wires I, it's just there's too many factors and then of course by giving the detail that you'll be home and getting it right you know you'll be home yeah. in a week that to me is like it's, what are the chances you know what are the chances and and you didn't hear you know any conversations other times that, that weren't yours you know what i mean never you didn't have a problem no, with there the phone was, line. yeah yeah that's exactly right if it was crossed wires how would my phone record it how would it physically cause my answering machine yeah i mean i guess there's I, you know, maybe an outside chance, but it's, it's, it's so outside, you know, the, the chance is so like completely outside the realm of norm that, that it becomes, you know, this thing where you're like, well, really? it's more likely that there was a ghost dressed up as a lumberjack in my house. <laughs> <laughs> it all, I mean, you get to the point where it's almost like, well, you know, the, the, the chance is so remote of that happening and, and to get all the details right, you know, it's, it's just, it's so bizarre. And if you didn't hear, like crosstalk doesn't just happen once. You, you hear it usually when it's raining. You, you'll hear hear it, and it's never. It's very seldom is it clear. You know when I've experienced it, it's usually you know muffled or or quieter. Very very seldom do you get like a really clear, like absolutely crossed. Like you can definitely hear it, kind of. You know, hear yeah. the other people clearly. Yeah, so. I remember. You know, back in the you know maybe the nineties or something, my my grandpa's cordless phone picking up the baby monitor from the neighbors or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really like did I just hear that? No, this was this was an absolutely clear as day message. It was a recording between two people having a conversation. It's so weird. It, it, what an awesome story, though. I mean, that's that's so cool. Yeah, I'm just glad to kind of add it to the um, to the catalog. There, it's this yeah. is, is really cool for me because I never even would have thought to think that this was a thing that other people had experienced. I. I think I told you, I just kind of, I was listening to this other podcast. I came across another podcast and within the first like couple minutes of it, uh, they had mentioned, you know, oh, this flannel man is a thing that people see and you should go over and and check out this other podcast, which is yours. I was like, what? This is a thing? I had no idea. So I quick ran over to yours and, and then... I thought, no, let me, I want to write this down. I want, before I start listening to everybody else's, I want to get this clear in my mind. Cause right, right. the picture that was on your, on your podcast, the drawing, mm-hmm. that was definitely not the man that I saw. Okay. That was, that's not a rendering. Um, that guy looks way more sinister and kind of skizzy <laughs> than the guy that I saw. Um, the guy that I saw was not clean cut at all, but you know, like I said, he had different hair and different beard and wasn't wielding an ax and didn't have red glowing eyes and, right, and right. all that stuff. Yeah. Again, like this is not, I didn't even make up the name flannel man. This is something I saw years and years ago on some paranormal forum somewhere. And I don't even remember where it was. I remember reading it and I remember sort of putting it in the back of my head. And this is long before I ever did a podcast or wrote books or anything on the subject. But I remember putting it in the back of my head and thinking, oh, wow, that's that's what Allison, my wife, saw that mm-hmm. night. And just kind of filing it away. And like, well, isn't that interesting? Other people see it. And then didn't think about it for years until we started doing the podcast. And then I mentioned it. And to a fault, every person who's contacted me has been like, I never knew anyone else saw this. this. I never knew anyone else saw anything like this. Again, I you know, it's, it's not something I invented. I, I read it somewhere. You know, it, it was a thing. But I'm happy that people are coming out of the woodwork to talk about it because it's it's just amazing. 
It's yeah, you, you know, it's and and the stories are all different, but they all seem to have like certain threads that are the same that, that go through them. I figure there's like some, you know, costume department on the other side that just has a limited supply, of, <laughs> you know, and one of them, you know, one of the, the the standards happens to be a red flannel shirt. I have no idea. That's just this is just the craziest thing ever. Yeah. I'm really excited to kind of delve into it a little bit more because I, I think I told you I've been trying to stay away cause, until I until I talk to you because I didn't want anybody else's stories or as few stories as possible to kind of influence my memories until right. after I talk to you about this um, because you know like just because this is probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my life doesn't mean that you know some of my memories aren't corruptible sure. but I'm really excited to, to look into this a little bit more yeah and, and yeah. kind of share that this is you know it's always cool when you share experiences with others even if they're really creepy you know it's still fun I mean it's been fascinating to me I, I had you know if you asked me when I started the podcast I'd be like well we'll will probably be mostly Bigfoot because that's that's you know my heart's kind of there, and yeah. never thought this the flannel man thing was going to take off the way it did, and I'm I'm happy it did. I'm not complaining. I it's so fascinating, and it's nice to have stories that aren't you know a, a lot of the Bigfoot stories are just sheer terror. You know, witnesses mm-hmm. were, were affected their entire life afterwards. It's not a happy thing for them, and right. it's, it's nice to have something to talk about where that's eerie. It's certainly eerie. And it's certainly uh, strange for people, but it's it's not something that has a, you know, people have PTSD from, you know, right. it's something that people experience. So it's it's uh, it's been really interesting to me to, to hear all these stories. And I'm sure I'm going to get more. The more we put out, the more people contact us. Yeah, I hope so. That's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. We will stay in touch. And if uh, if you see anything else weird, you know where we are. <laughs> Fantastic. I had so much fun talking with you about this. This is so great. Thanks for giving me a call and and again letting me kind of add in my little experience to kind of this collective. Oh, I'm I'm happy to have it. If you like strange familiars, if you like what we do, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strange familiars. At this time, we don't have any advertisers. We don't have any sponsors. What we have is our patrons, and our patrons make strange familiars possible. For $3 a month, you can get extra shows. We do at least one patron-only show a month. These are full shows, not short patron segments. And we're trying to do two patron shows every month. There are other levels of support as well. You can go in at higher levels for things like t-shirts and pins and stickers. You can check it all out at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, I want to thank all of our patrons who make Strange Familiars possible. So our next story is Christina. And again, I just think it's really interesting how similar to Deborah's story it is.
So I guess this this kind of started, it's, it's been quite a long time, probably about 2006 was when we, and, and by we it was like my fiancé and a couple of my male roommates decided to go rent a house, a really cool old house down by the river. It was on a couple of acres. I was like, oh, this is perfect, you know, for fishing and for the dogs to run around. Very cheap rent, like surprisingly cheap rent, which should have been like the first tip off that something wasn't quite right with the house. <laughs> as but, specific as you're comfortable being, where was this? You can It can be town, city, state, you know. Yeah, just... so Gunnison, Colorado. Okay. It's just a small college town, you know, close-knit community, really laid-back area. It was, it was a great place to go to school at. And this this house, I mean, it was it's so so beautiful out there, you know, just down by the water, just really ideal for our situation. And so we get all moved in, and we kind of start noticing, like, quirky little things with the house, um, you know, that, that make us be like, oh, this is why it was so cheap, you know, just like structural issues. And the house had a horrible smell to it when you turned on the water. And so we're like, oh, great, you know, it's well water. It's very sulfury water. So the house, it was just kind of right off the bat. We're like, all right, here we go. This is, <laughs> but the, the price you pay for having cheap rent. And as a college kid, you take it, you know? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to say it was the first week that we had been moved in. I was laying in bed and I was I was awake. I was sitting up and my fiance was um, nodding off and I hear somebody open up a door, like a sliding glass door downstairs and start walking downstairs. And so I pop up and I wake him up and I go and wake up my other male roommate and I'm like, hey, there's somebody's downstairs. And so, you know, he goes and grabs his, his gun and we're fully expecting to find an intruder downstairs and there's nothing. That we had locked everything, so like the door was dead bolted, all the windows had, um, they were still locked and we had like braced the sliding glass door with a metal da- or a wooden dowel. Right. So there was no way, if somebody had been in the house, there was no way for them to exit the house without leaving something like unlocked. So... We were just like, okay, that was weird. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe it's just new house sounds, something like that, you know, trying to brush it off. But I knew, like, in my head, I was like, that it was, somebody was walking, like it was footsteps downstairs. And it happened several more times. And I would pop up and I'd look at my fiance and I was like, did you hear that? And he would say, yeah, I did. And I was like, it's, somebody's walking downstairs. And so we would go through the whole thing. We, you know, look in all the, the, the crawl spaces. Cause then after a while we were like, is somebody like hiding in the house and like living in there without us knowing. Right. Yeah. Never, <laughs> we never found any evidence that there was somebody in the house. And eventually that just stopped and we went about our business, but then our, I think it was our water heater kind of broke down and so we had called the landlord and said hey you need to send somebody out to come fix this for us so this guy comes out and he takes a look at it and is like okay well I need to do this and this and he's like will you guys be around and uh, we had class and this and he was like well I won't come to the house 
alone. I don't work here alone. And we're like, what happened? And he just said that it was creepy. He didn't like it. He wouldn't be in the house alone. He said one time he was working where the water feeder was, which is in a really creepy crawl space that was like kind of unfinished. And uh, he said he turned around and there was a child behind him. And he thought it was weird because nobody was home. And so he turns around at what he was doing to grab something. And then he turns back around and the child's gone. And so he knew at that point in time, he was like, I saw something. It wasn't right. And he left. And then he started refusing to work there alone because he said, you know, you could feel like somebody was standing behind you, staring at you, like when they're right over your shoulder, that creepy feeling. Right. Yeah. You know, after he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that had been happening to me all the time in that house. The way that we had our couch set up, there was kind of an open space right behind you. And when you'd sit there, like you would just get the creepiest feeling that somebody was right behind you and there was never anything there. And it was just little things like that. And then my dog started acting up like he would stir at the wall and just bark, like viciously bark at the wall. And I was like, geez, Max, like what, what's your problem? What are you hearing? So I was like, well, maybe there's mice in the wall. So I go and I'd listen and I couldn't, couldn't hear anything. We ended up getting a cat to see if like that would solve some of like rodent issues or whatever. And I mean, she killed some, she killed some mice and. We thought, oh, maybe that's the issue. But then the cat started doing it. And not just like normal weird cat stuff. Like she would be laying in bed and she would jump up, like, you know, get her little hackles or whatever you call them and start growling at nothing. And then she went away. And I was always just like, what is going on? So eventually, um, you know, us living in that house, everything kind of started to deteriorate. Um, We just were not happy there. It wasn't comfortable for us to be there. The water was, I mean, it was terrible. We had to order water in. Um, The house just stunk like sulfur all the time. We had the well water tested and it didn't even come back high sulfur content, content. Like it came back fine. So unless the landlord was like paying off the water treatment guy to say the water was (laughs) fine, then like there was no reason that the house necessarily should have smelled that bad just from the water it had some like sewer issues but it wasn't the same it was a different smell it was just like straight sulfur and so come that spring like we left our lease a little bit early to move out just because we all I mean I personally I couldn't handle it there I started staying with friends as much as I could and just being out of the house as often as I could We had somebody that was living in like, I don't know, like a mother-in-law home on the same property. And he had told us some stories about the house, how there had been like a man who, he was some kind of professional there and he kind of started to, to lose it mentally. And so he had stacked like papers or newspapers or something, something that made it a fire hazard and they needed to evict him or condemn the house as a a safety issue. And he proceeded to cement up the fireplace and then kill himself in the home. And so that was one of the stories that we got. We also heard a story where a woman had lived there with a couple of children and, you know, suffered some kind of depression issues and drowned herself in the river. Uh, I mean, there were just all those stories. So 
I never knew if they were like true stories or just stories that people make up about creepy houses. But just the overall issues that we had in the home, it made me feel like maybe there was some truth to something weird happening there. Right, yeah. So we move out of there and into another older house. And it wasn't long before I started seeing like a man in my room at in the evenings, like before I'd fall asleep. And I was just always like, well, that's weird. Maybe I'm starting to dream before I fall asleep. And I'd kind of brush it off. Like I'm not necessarily one to believe in paranormal stuff. I always try to think of like some like scientific, you know, rational explanation for things. Mm-hmm. And it started happening very frequently that I would see this individual and he'd be at the end of the bed and he would either be sitting and then he would like, I would make eye contact with him and he would stand up and then kind of like start walking away and he would fade away. You know, he never just like disappeared or appeared. It was like, he, it was a fade in fade out type thing. And I, I always was just like, this is very weird. And I started questioning myself and being like man maybe I'm maybe I'm losing it you know I'm a psych major this isn't a normal thing and so I did some research and I was like well maybe it's one of those like hypnagogic type hallucinations where I see this this thing before I fall asleep and so I just chalked it up to that for the longest time but it was always him the same vision or whatever all the time was this guy and he was I would say he was like in his in his 20s like he looked like a younger guy and it was dark and so you know obviously at nighttime it's dark and so my perception of him is somebody standing in the dark so you know the colors are dimmed Um, he wasn't like a bright figure or anything like that like he just looked like somebody standing in a darkened room right and I could tell that he had like a flannel, I don't know if it was just just a shirt or if it was like a an opened flannel shirt with like an undershirt under it. He reminded me more of like a grungy 90s, I don't know if you remember that whole phase with Sure, yeah. <laughs> the guys with the you know the flannel. Like that's what he reminded me. He had he did, he wasn't like a neat haircut. It was it was a bit longer and he had facial hair. Heavy beard or just just a light facial hair? I would say medium, like not not super long beard, like Viking style or anything like that, but more than just stubble. Average height, taller. Um, I would say he was he was average height. And uh, do you know about how many times you saw him all together? Oh my gosh, over the years. If, if you can make a guess, did this go on for years? Yeah this this go this has gone on for years and it it still periodically occurs and it actually occurred I'm gonna say a couple nights ago oh really and I have, wow. yeah like I haven't had it occur for for quite some time and so and I was joking with my sister-in-law because this is actually how I how I found out about the flannel guy and everything is is she asked me around because I, I don't talk to very many people about this because it's you know I'm always just like they're gonna think I'm crazy so I don't like openly discuss it most of the time but I had t- talked to my family about it and just how all these, you know, strange events and this 
guy in a flannel shirt. Well, I, I hadn't mentioned the flannel. I just said this guy that I would see. And so she was like, hey, um, was he wearing a flannel flannel shirt? And I looked at her and I was like, yes. Like, how would you know that? And she had been listening to uh, what podcast? The last podcast on the... On the left, yeah. yeah. Left, yeah. And um, she said that they had discussed some flannel man stuff there. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, apparently it's a thing. Like, people see this flannel guy. And I was like, what? And so then I started looking at online, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't a unique a, a unique experience to me, which I figured it was. It was. Yeah, the fellow and on last podcast on the left, Henry, I believe, mentioned it briefly at the beginning of an episode and mentioned strange familiars my you know my podcast that was a, a good thing we got a, we got a lot of a lot of hits from that a lot of people are, are contacting me with flannel man stories and, and just in general i mean uh, i'm very happy they mentioned us but it has been it's been shocking for me the number of stories we've received I, i'm in into the 20s if not 30s of stories now starting from before because we t started talking about before they brought it up but i guess they're, they're just a lot more popular once they mentioned it it's you know the, the stories just keep rolling in it's amazing i i could probably do a dedicated podcast just to flannel man flannel man <laughs> <laughs> it's very i don't know it's it's weird it's like what is it what does this mean like yeah why are we that's the thing these it's, flannel it's, dudes such an odd you know kind of archetype and and for a while, we were playing with the idea, like, maybe it has something to do with, you know, speaking like Jungian archetypes kind of stuff. Maybe it has something to do with, like, the American experience, and it's this sort of uh, Paul Bunyan archetype. But then people are seeing, you know, I'm getting calls from Sweden and the UK where people are seeing the same thing. So, you know, that goes out the window. I, I don't, <laughs> I have, you know, we're, we know what people are seeing, and, and the accounts are very similar. They're not all the same, but they're very similar. They have, you know, enough stuff in common where it's like, wow, that's... You know, the, the hypnagogia thing, you know, it has something to do with sleep. Uh, you're not the only person, and we'll get into this, but you mentioned in your email that, that some of the dreams you had afterwards seemed like they were coming true. And mm -hmm. we, we've had similar mentions, uh, not so much that, but uh, um, a guest, and, and she might be on this same show. I might I might pair your stories together. She was saying that she had Deja Reve, where she would be in real life, and, and she'd say, wait a minute, I've dreamed this before. And Yeah, uh, that. All the time, all the time. And, and I never had that prior to, you know, the flannel person showing up. Oh, that's really interesting. Let, let's put a pin in that. And while it's fresh in your head, what was the most recent sighting? The one you just had a, a few nights ago? Yeah, so I was um, laying in bed. And usually I would see him before I would fall asleep. It was kind of something that, you know, I'd be dozing off and I'd look and he would be there. And I would think, oh, gosh, that's so weird. And then he would kind of disappear and I'd be like, all right, I guess I'm going to go to sleep now. But this one was, I woke up and I uh, looked at, kind of in, in the doorway in my bedroom and I could, I could see an individual's face and I, then I could tell it was a bearded man. And, and I was just like, oh, look, look, look what's come back. And it's been a long time. And so then I'm like, oh gosh, if you know, just talking about him and thinking about him, you know, am I just focused on it? I haven't really been worried about it. You know, I don't think there's never been any like physical harm to me. I mean, there has been like what I would consider 
contact, but I was never hurt or anything. So I don't have a fear of the individual necessarily. And I've still, you know, I always just chalk it up to like this hypnagogic thing that occurs. So that was, I mean, it was just, it was sometime maybe three days ago, probably that that happened. And I had a very vivid dream that night and it's my dreams after that happened. It's always like day to day mundane stuff. And sometimes they're a little warped, you know, there's still dreams where weird things happen in them, but they're like me working or having conversations with people or this thing. It's, it's never anything outlandish or like a typical dream world. It's they're very boring dreams. I'll be filing paperwork. I'll be one of them that happened way back. I was making tacos and this is when I was still in Gunnison. And I was, I just remember I was making tacos and my chest hurt. Like that was what's, stood out to me as I was just making tacos and making tacos and my chest hurt. And that was the only part of that dream that I remember. But then fast forward years later, after I graduated, I went and I worked and I had to have two jobs, of course, like most of us did after everything went down in 2008. And I ended up getting a job at Taco Bell, you know, not, not making any connection at that point to that dream. But they were doing this stupid promotional thing where it was like the basketball team won or did something. It was a sports thing. Then you would get four tacos for a dollar, I think. And so I had this moment where I was making tacos, so many tacos, like because everybody's coming through the drive-thru. So I'm just making mass amounts of tacos. And at the time I was having, um, I have a heart arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. And so I had been working too hard and I was dehydrated and my chest was just hurting and I'm making these tacos and I looked up and all of a sudden I was like I've been here before I've done this before and I was like son of a bitch like this is like this is coming true again and it hadn't been the only time right and then it was like you know I should take note of these things but I never know when it's gonna occur you know it's not something that's necessarily gonna happen tomorrow this was years later that this random thing happened and it was like Hmm. You know, just makes you pause and and think. Well, why would I have a dream about making mass yeah. amounts of tacos? Like, yeah, I, it, it seems inconsequential in a way. And I mean, the the other person I talked to as well, it was a somewhat unremarkable conversation. I think that she had with this, you know, this deja vu thing where she said, "I have dreamed this. I've dreamed this before." Mm-hmm. It's strange. Like, why do we? Why, if we're, if, if you were given, let's, let's, you know, if, if we're playing with the paranormal and you're, you're given this, this information ahead of time, what's the reason for that? It, you know, it'd be, yeah, what would I do with it? Yeah, exactly. It'd be one thing if, if you had a heart attack or something, it was warning you, you know, like, right. like you know, watch out for the situation or prepare or, you know, whatever the case, but it's just an, an odd thing to have precognition about. Yeah. And it's, it's always something where it'll happen. And it's not necessarily even the thing I'm doing, but then I'll get I'll get a bad feeling and I'll be like, okay, something is going to happen. Something negative might happen. As with the taco thing, something negative did happen. We lived in like this little A-frame cabin and we would be gone for all day. Like I would leave at six o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't arrive home until like 11 o'clock at night some days. And on, it wasn't the taco day that I was making all those tacos, but shortly thereafter, I went um, shopping with my husband on a day that I had 
off and we had been in town for a couple hours and we head back and we arrive outside the A-frame and I hear beeping. And I was just like, what is that beeping? And then it occurred to me, that's our carbon monoxide detector. My dogs were inside, my cats were inside. And so, you know, I freak out, run in and it's, it's a high reading on the carbon monoxide thing. And so I let the dogs out and everything. And then the carbon monoxide detector, of course, we had to call the fire department and they found the leak and stuff. Well, then it went off again at like two o'clock in the morning. We had no friends or family that we could stay with and we obviously couldn't stay in there. So we ended up driving back, you know, six hours to our family's house in the middle of the night and just this, this horrible thing. Later, the cabin, there was like a little fire in it and stuff. And so it always seems to like foreshadow a negative event or a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of me is just like, but they're so they're so vague in what right. I'm dreaming that I can't necessarily associate it until the negative stuff starts to happen. And then I'm like, oh, I should have made a different decision probably. Right, yeah. So you said one time he touched you and how this happened and you're not, you say you're, you're kind of okay with him and not afraid of him. You're pretty brave. So, but go ahead and tell that story. So it was, I think my husband had gone out of town for some, some reason. I don't know if he's camping or whatever. I, even my then fiance. So I was home alone with my dogs. I had German Shepherd and a, a wolf mix. So I, I wasn't necessarily afraid to be home alone. But in bed, I decided to go to bed a little bit early and lock up all the windows and the doors and get everything settled down. And then, of course, flannel man at the end of the bed. I don't really think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, like, I can tell, like, he's moved abruptly to the head of the bed and he placed, like, I couldn't, I couldn't exactly tell what, what he was doing, but I felt pressure, like, on my nose, like, pinching my nose closed and holding my mouth and, like, shoving me down into the pillow. And so I'm thinking, like, somebody has broken into the house and is, is suffocating me because it felt that real. And I had a pepper spray that I would keep on, on my nightstand. I remember trying to reach for that and then I just was out and then I wake up the next morning kind of to my surprise and I look around and I was like all right that was weird you know both the dogs were in the room with me and I don't recall them reacting which had there been a strange man in the house they would have reacted right and so I was just like what the heck do you think you passed out or fell asleep? You know, I it felt like passing out. It did not feel like falling asleep because it was like that adrenaline rush fear. Usually you don't fall asleep right. directly after that, but then I was out and I had no dreams. Like it was like I was out and then I woke up and it was morning. After that, this guy doesn't particularly frighten you. Is it just, just that you see him so often? Yeah, I think it's that I, I do see him so often and, you know, like, I didn't die, you know, right. whatever happened. like And like I said, I always just chalk it up to, like, a weird sleep issue or something. And it's really hard to explain. I'm like, oh, it's just coincidence that these dream things happen. There was one that happened that I really could not explain at all. So you remember, like, when you'd have TiVo, you'd record your show and then, like, and I don't know if it's still like that this now, but you go down and when you watch it, like it goes to, um, you know, it's bold and then it's not bold anymore. It goes to a different color. And you can tell that you've watched it. 
Well, my husband had re- been recording a new show, and I hadn't seen I had no interest in it. And I sat down, and uh, he started playing it. And I, word for word, like I knew what was in the show. I knew what was going to happen. I said, why are we watching this again? And he said, this is a brand new episode. There's no way I could have seen it anywhere, like at all. And I just said, I think something bad's going to happen. And my little brother called me. And he was having kind of like a domestic issue right. with a, a crazy girlfriend. And he was like, please, you have to come here now. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Like, you know, she's going to hurt him. And so then I ended up leaving and driving and, and getting involved in that to kind of settle things down there. But it's always things like that where I'm like, oh, you know, this has happened before. Something's going to happen. And most of the time, something does happen. Wow. That is but it's not at all related to my dream. Like, right. it's never, it's something that happens isn't related to my dream. It's like I get the preview, you know, minutes or, or days or weeks before it happens. And so it's just, it's very strange. And like, like I said, you know, these dreams that I had after this last sighting, I tried to like be more aware of them and take note of what happened in them. Just... So I could see, you know, like what, you know, I'm still trying to to decipher what the information is and like if there's any use to it, if it's any insight into anything. I forget my husband was kind of into this fingerprints of the gods book, I think is what he called it. Mm -hmm. And they talked about different kinds of dreams, you know, like the meaningless dreams and then the dreams that are like a vision into something. Right. And I for, yeah, I don't study a whole lot of paranormal stuff, and so I, I forget exactly what it was called. But it's like, well, maybe, you know, like, if anybody should believe it, it should be me, because it happens so frequently. <laughs> well, I <laughs> I'm mean, a, I'm a topic, I guess. I don't know how many of, our, like, the past episodes we put out with Flatoman you listen to, it's, this isn't a test, don't worry. But my wife is very skeptical. She saw him, you know, it's the first person I know who, who saw this guy. You know, this has been a real journey for her. When I started doing the podcast and I was talking about, you know, how much a skeptic she is, she's she's just not like my whole thing with, you know, Bigfoot and aliens and all that. It's it's just not her world. You know, she's bemused by my interest in it more than uh, troubled by it. But it's just not, you know, and I don't I don't expect she doesn't have to be interested in, in everything I'm interested in. That's fine. But she had this experience and, you know, I, I talked about it and then people started contacting me and said, yeah, I've seen this guy. And then I finally, you know, we had Allison on and she she actually told her story. She's, she's been confronted with this, you know, very real thing where these people are describing the, the same thing that she's seen. But I think she's still going to come down and say it's hypnagogic or something. <laughs> um, is that where you are? Uh, yes and no. Like. Part of me, you know, wants to just try to explain things away, like using science and being very rational and and that type of thing. But then part of me really has to wonder, it's the whatever, the deja vu or the deja brevé or whatever. Mm -hmm. That gives me pause because I can't really explain that. Yeah. And that didn't start occurring until after the issue with with the flannel guy. And I just, I, I just don't have a, I don't have a good way to explain, explain that. And I mean, it will be as mundane as one time it happened. And like I was in my dream, I was doing paperwork 
for a job that I didn't yet have, and I signed a form. And then fast forward, I'm working and I'm at a job where I'm signing a lot of things and doing a lot of paperwork. And in that moment, I was like, I know I signed that that form. And so I'm looking all over the office for it. I'm like, I know I signed it. And then it occurs to me, yeah, I did sign it, but not right now. I signed it, signed <laughs> it in some other dimension wow. type thing. And so things like that, I just, I cannot explain that. So I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm on the fence. That guy, the... With him touching me and like holding me down and stuff, the individual who had come to the house to do repairs sometime after the final guy started showing up to me, um, I was at the bar and they were like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And I won't say his name because I don't know whatever happened with all the charges and everything. Sure. And I was like, what happened? And they were like, well, he got in trouble for strangling and raping a woman. And I was like, What? You know, this had been somebody who frequently came to the house. I mean, he was the go-to person for all our issues with the house. And so then part of me is like, was that like a message? There was something weird about, you know, I I don't know. That's the only connection that I could make to the reason like why he would, you know, have any kind of aggressive contact with me. Yeah. and, And that's, I mean, and you can tell me if this is the case with you. A lot of people say he looks like when you do see him, he looks either surprised or shocked or caught that you can see him. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's been the case because any time that I've seen him and he like looks over, he, you know, he looks, he acknowledges that like, I see him kind of like in a, in a way, and then he'll like change directions or move and, and just fade away at that point in time. And so it's like, yeah, you know, anytime you make any kind of eye contact with him, he exits. (laughs) Now, this question will come out of left field, but it's uh, it's something that's been popping up. It's been very interesting. Have you ever, like any time in your life, had any uh, dreams or visions or sort of ghostly encounters with black dogs? Yes. You have? Yes. Not like, yeah, usually like a floating, a floating black dog or like a dog in a corner. My wife is in the other room actually holding her mouth right now. She would never sleep in her room when she was a child because of these black dogs and they came out of the corner. Yeah. And I guess this one probably started a while ago, but I had a a black like Rottweiler cow dog mix growing up. And so I would always assume it was him. And there was one time where this black dog came to my bed and I got up out of bed because I thought it was Jake. And I was like, oh, what do you need, Jake? And so I followed it out into the living room. And it led me in one direction. And I looked over and Jake was sleeping in the other direction. Oh. And so I stopped. And um, I think my uncle was sleeping in the living room because my parents were in Vegas or something. So he was watching us. And I stopped and I looked at my uncle and I saw my dog and... I was just like, I kind of got a scared feeling. And so I just ran back to my bed. And I was probably like seven or eight. At that time, I was young. Yeah, um, that's, it was the same with my wife. Yeah. And then I, I periodically will still have that. And you know, I have dogs. I, I always have two or more dogs in the house. But this isn't the same kind of dog. It's like a a pointy-eared black, like, I don't know if it's like pit bull or 
American bulldog type figure, but it's not like a dog that I've necessarily had. I, you know, right. I get, get large dogs and it's more like a, a medium sized dog, I guess. Hmm. But it's been a while since I've had one of those. No, that's it's just it's interesting. And again, I don't know what the connection is. I only know that we talked about that with you know my wife's encounter as well. And then other people start saying, "Yeah, I've seen this flannel man, and I've seen these black dogs. How they're connected, I don't know, but it seems like people are seeing both of them." Yeah, and I always, you know, I thought with the with the flannel guy when I would ever ever when I would ever like allow myself to think about like the paranormal realm. I was always like, I didn't have necessarily negative, scared feelings about him, but I always felt like he brought me information about negative things or like allowed me to, you know, have insight into part of my life that I shouldn't have. I had a, a friend who had cancer and we weren't like particularly really close friends, but we were friends. And this was before the days of Facebook and, you know, everybody had a cell phone was texting. And so the last I had heard was that she was doing well. And so I thought, you know, her treatment's working. She's on the mend and she's going to be better. We were young. You know, I didn't think that anything bad would happen to her really. And um, one of those nights that the flannel guy had come, I had a dream of my friend coming and saying, you know, everything would be okay, but not in the sense that she was going to that she was going to be okay. She just said everything was going to be okay. And I woke up and I felt kind of sick to my stomach. I was like, oh, I didn't like that dream. That was weird. And then I went to school, you know, on on Monday. And one of my another girl that I had gone to school with, you know, she came up to me and was like, Hey, did you hear about so and so? And I said, No. And and they're like, Well, she she passed away this weekend. And it was that night that she had passed away, that I received that information. And that bothered me. Like I was, you know, like some people would find that comforting or something, but I don't know. It made, it, it makes me nervous every time I have a dream about something. (laughs) I'm like, please let this be like a normal dream and not, not uh, some kind of insight into uh, some terrible thing in the future. Right. Especially when, you know, there, it, it seems to be warnings about things that are coming that you can't do a whole heck of a lot about. Yeah, like I've not ever been able to change anything from this information, and I don't know the key to being able to to do that. I don't know. You know, part of me is like, well, maybe time, since time doesn't actually exist, you know, you're living in a state of perpetual nows that overlap each other, and so that information, you know, I've, I've gone into different theories on time to try to explain things and everything. Just, I don't know. It's weird. That's all I can say is it's weird. The black dog thing was surprising. I mean, I wasn't sure I was going to get a yes out of you, but that was, uh, it's pretty shocking. And then to look over my, my wife's just in the other room, but I can look over and see her. She's, she can hear what we're talking about to see her just clap her hands over her mouth. Like, Oh my God, (laughs) because you described, you know, pretty much exactly what she had seen. That's chilling. And then uh, of course the, him touching you is, is, uh, is disturbing. That's just, yeah, it was, it was weird. And it was like very, it was very realistic. Like it took me a long time to shake the feeling because I did think for a while I was like, somebody could have come in and like, put something over my face and made me pass out. Um, you know, somebody could have broke into the house. I, I lived on a ground level. It was like, a, it was a house that had been separated into two different 
living spaces. And mm-hmm. so for a while, I was just like, gosh, what if somebody really did come in, like if some creeper came into the house and like did something to me and like knocked me out? I don't, you know, I had, because it was so real. And then I was like, there's no way the dogs would have not reacted. Right. Um, and then I couldn't find any physical evidence of anybody being in the house. Everything was still locked up and, you know, it just didn't. It didn't make any sense. And so then, of course, I go back to, since I am a psychology major, part of me is like, oh, my gosh. Like, am I, like, hallucinating and I'm delusional? Like, <laughs> what's <laughs> happening type thing? But most people also that are, like, hallucinating and are delusional have, like, no insight into that as being a possibility most of the time. Right, yeah. So then, then of course, I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know. So... I tend to just kind of like brush things under the rug and bring it up as a funny story or a weird story. And well, Christina, right. after a time, after you, after you gather a few more, we can either have you back on, or if anything particularly uh, outrageous happens, please let me know. We're, yeah, we're... I'll let you know if these uh, th- this last set of dreams, if there's any, if any of them come true. I hope not, because they weren't very pleasant. But right, that's usually how it goes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yes, thank you for having me. So our next guest is John. It's good to get some men calling in with Flannel Man stories. I think Flannel Man stories from women outnumber the stories from men probably three to one at this point. I don't know if women are just more likely to share or if that's indicative of something with the phenomenon. But John saw this entity in flannel when he was uh, a young man. We'll hear about it now. All right, we're talking with John, who has another flannel man experience pretty interesting one your story and this has become a, a drum beat that's going through a lot of these flannel man stories kind of kicks off with a haunted house or a, a group of haunted house stories or relative to one house right yes so we we moved by you know i grew up with a single mom and my mom went back to school uh, late in life became a teacher and when she started making money as a teacher we moved out of our apartment and we moved into a house uh, in northern california in the sacramento area I was probably, this is in the, I don't know, it was in like fourth or fifth grade, but the hauntings and the the stuff started really peaking about when I was in about sixth to seventh grade, and we moved out when I was in ninth grade. Um, So this would be like mid-late 90s. You know, there's a lot of just really creepy things that were going on in the house, and it it really peaked with this Flannel Man incident. Give some of the, uh, the creepy stuff that happened before Flannel Man. The night that we... My mom, that we signed the uh, the lease for the house or whatnot, you know, granted I'm probably nine or ten years old, you know, my best friend came over for a sleepover, and my mom was asleep upstairs with her boyfriend at the time, and my, my best friend and I were playing with some G.I. Joes or, or doing whatever, probably around like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. It was during the summer, I think, or on, on like a Saturday. You know, we were just up playing, messing around, and the bedroom next to my bedroom, my bedroom was downstairs, the door was hung like perfectly, like loosely in the jam, 
no issues at all. It didn't rub against the, you know, floor in that that it would open and close very easily and lock in place when it would close. The only way to open it, you know, would be to turn the handle. And so we're sitting and playing and the door slams close. You know, we're thinking it's just the wind, you know, the pressure in the house change, you know, when you have a window open or whatnot. Well, then the door opens back up. We can hear it open back up and then it slams closed again. And then it opens back up. And, you know, we're, we're young kids, and so we're, we're looking at each other, and we're like, what the heck is going on? Like, doors aren't supposed to open and close, and my mom and her boyfriend are asleep, and there's nobody else in the house. And so now we're, like, terrified because it's probably open or closed five, seven, ten times maybe. You know, not slamming with any sort of, like, real violent force, but definitely slamming enough that you're able to, uh, you know, it's still scary. So we ran upstairs and woke up my mom's boyfriend. He came downstairs, you know, we're just kids. So they kind of just blew it off and said, well, you know, it's just the pressure change in the house or whatnot. And nothing happened the rest of the night. After that, you know, things started getting just weirder in the house. Uh, our dogs, we had two little yappy dogs. Our dogs started acting weird. And granted, this is over a period of a couple of years. I would come home frequently. I was a latchkey kid. I would come home frequently and the front door would be wide open when I bolted it closed, you know, to go to school. I remember one time as a, as a kid, I was playing with some Legos, probably about 10 years old, and the room, it was cold outside, the room went from, you know, being, you know, I don't know, normal room temperature to probably, I would say, well over 100 degrees, like in a matter of, you know, 10, 15 seconds, and I could feel this, like, evil energy, I don't know how to describe it, like a very, very negative, evil, like, unfriendly energy. It was really, really scary, I ended up leaving the house, I was alone at the time. And when, when these things would happen, they would only really generally happen with nobody in the house or with just one person in the house, not, you know, my mom and I would not experience stuff at the same time. Um, my mom started experiencing some stuff where her bedroom was upstairs. She could see from her bed down the hallway to another bedroom that later turned into being my bedroom. She could see the door handle jiggling like something was on the other side of it trying to turn it. And she went into the room and there's nothing in there. And she goes back to sitting on her bed, reading a book or whatever in the middle of the day. And then, you know, it did it again and did it again. And she had had some experiences as a kid with, with some hauntings. And so she went in there, my mom was kind of a quirky character and she went in there and started yelling at whatever is in the room to, to stop, uh, you know, I don't know, haunting her son's room or whatnot. Some of the other stuff that happened uh, one night I was sleeping over at a friend's house probably when I was in like seventh grade. So it's like 12, 13 years old. And she called at like three in the morning, freaking out. The police were at our house because our television downstairs turned on. This is before, you know, like digital TV. So it turned on like the old snow channel when there was nothing, no picture. And uh, it turned on and then the volume went up to full blast, which Oof. is, you know, quite loud at three in the morning. I'm trying to think what else. There was a time when I was a kid, I remember walking up the stairs and, and seeing out of the corner of my eyes, two men wearing uh, like dark clothing. It looks like, like trench coats, like that movie City of Angels, mm -hmm. kind of yeah. looking like that, standing out of the corner of my eye. And when I looked over, they're gone. I'm trying to think of anything. You know, that's that's pretty much a lot of the stuff. It, it, there was one time my, my best friend was spending the night and we were watching a movie. And, you know, this is back in the days with old VHS. And I don't know, we kind of, it was late at night and we we didn't fall asleep, but there was a gap in time of about two hours where the movie was still playing, but it was two, two and a half hours later from, from when we were sitting there. It's kind of hard to describe. And we both said that we have no recollection of what those two hours in time would happen because we didn't fall asleep. But why, how would an hour, hour and a half movie, you know, that we were halfway through still be playing two hours later on a VHS that doesn't just automatically, you know, restart and 
and then go back to the same spot. Um, you know, and it's nothing like, you know, some of my friends would be creeped out with it. You know, you always kind of felt like a weird negative energy in the house. I wouldn't say necessarily like a demon or any sort of like serious haunting type of stuff, but there's definitely stuff that was going on there that, you know, was felt by myself and my mom and some of my friends and, you know, things that were just unnatural. Is this house where you saw the flannel man? Yes. What age were you uh, at that time? Uh, when I saw the flannel man, I was probably, I was in eighth grade, I think, and I was about 14. Do you want me to go into the story on that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the way that our house was, this is in a residential neighborhood in Northern California. I mean, this this isn't some old, you know, it's a normal house. It's not relatively old. I think it was built in the 70s or whatnot. My mom, being the interesting parent that she was, she uh, decided to go visit a friend in, in New York State during the summer that I was off of school. And she said, well, you're, you know, you're 13, 14 years old. You're not a... You're not a bad kid. I'm going to leave you home alone for a week. She gave me a few hundred bucks for uh, <laughs> for food if I needed to go buy anything, and, and she went and visited her friend. And I was home one night, and the way that my house was set up, if, if it's light inside, you know, normally in a house and it's dark outside, sometimes the windows will kind of turn into a mirror. Yeah. Um, due to the way the light is. And the way that our living room was set up is we had a big bay window that looked out in the street. And then if you were looking from the street, you would see a wall you know, through the window, you'd see a wall, and that's where our couch was, you know, the living room wall. And behind the couch, there is a large mirror. And then if you're sitting in the couch looking out to the street to your left, there's a there's an opening towards the other end of the couch, probably about the size of two doorways that goes into our kitchen. So if you're sitting there and it's light inside and it's dark outside, due to the reflection of the mirror behind you on the couch and the big bay window in front, you can kind of see it triangulate so to speak and you can see into the kitchen which you wouldn't be able to see if you're sitting down on the couch so it was about one or two in the morning and I'm, I'm sitting and watching tv i'm all alone i was about to go to bed and i look and i can see a man standing in my kitchen clear as day standing in my kitchen now the lights are off in my kitchen but i can i can see it from the reflection from from the mirror behind me to the big bay window to the end of the kitchen this man standing there and he's wearing, I can't remember if it was a blue or a red flannel shirt, but I could see all the colors and he's wearing some type of like, it looked like work pants or something like uh, some like thick, like dickies, like cargo pants. I, I can't remember. And and he had a very large stature, like a Jason Voorhees type stature or Michael Myers. I mean, probably 250 pounds, you know, well over six feet. I seem to remember, you know, this was years ago, but I seem to remember that his hair was long and kind of scraggly and unkempt looking and but I couldn't make out his face like uh, in in a movie you know when I don't know the main character goes to meet their meet somebody in a dark parking garage and their face is kind of blacked out from the shadows mm-hmm. you know but you can see the rest of the body that's that's kind of how I imagined it and I could feel him watching me in the you know I could feel the the face that I couldn't quite see staring at me because obviously he could see me if I could see him, and it, it paralyzed me with fear. I've never been so afraid in my life. Now, I've done two deployments to Iraq. I was a, a sheriff's deputy. I've seen some really crazy things. I've never been that scared in my life ever again since then. And uh, I was just, I don't know how to describe it. I felt horrible, like weak, like hungry, just weak and just scared. You know, I, I couldn't even move. I just sat there, and I kept looking at the TV and then looking back at this reflection and this man is clear as day, just standing there. He's not moving. He's not, you know, scratching his face or turning or doing anything. I didn't hear him. All the all the doors are closed. You know, I'm home alone at 13, 14 years old in our house. 
but there's a man standing there. He probably stood there for, I would say, a minute. I mean, I don't know, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But I kept looking at the mirror and then looking at the TV, looking at the mirror, looking back at the TV because I didn't know what to do. One of the times I looked and he, and he was gone after sitting there. And so I probably sat on my couch, you know, just watching TV for a, a good another hour, just not knowing what to do. Like, do I call 911 and say, hey, you know, there's a, a man in my house and have the cops show up and create a big fuss? Do I, you know, run out the front door into the, into the night? I, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. After sitting there for a long time, you know, I had my dogs there. My dogs weren't barking. I started thinking, well, maybe I, you know, I don't know, maybe I imagined this. Maybe this is in my head. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't So eventually after about an hour, I, I, we had a fireplace next to us. I, I grabbed a fireplace poker and I said, you know what? I'm not going to sit and be afraid of my house. I'm going to go and, and search through our house and see what the hell is going on. Because you would have heard, you know, a 250-pound man come inside my home. So I went through the house. There's nothing. All the doors are closed. All the windows are, are you know, locked. The doors are locked. There's no way to come out in and out of the house. I went under every bed and every single closet everywhere, and there's nothing. And, you know, we have a little, we had a little chihuahua and a little, uh, you know, cockapoo or whatnot. You know, they would have barked. You know, any family dog would have barked. So I said, okay, well, I, I don't know what to do. There's obviously nobody inside my home. I'm going to go to bed, I guess, at probably about three in the morning, you know, just absolutely terrified. So I went upstairs to, to where my bedroom had, was, and uh, I left the dogs outside of our bedroom, my bedroom, and I closed the door and I moved like my chest of drawers in front of the, uh, in front of the door. I moved, you know, all my furniture and stuff in the room. And as I laid there in my room, I had the light on. I, my dog started going just ape shit, just barking at something viciously, you know, inside my home. And, you know, being a 13-year-old kid, this is absolutely just, you know, the scariest thing in the world. I didn't have a phone with me or anything. Right. <laughs> they probably, uh, they, our dogs probably barked at whatever was in our house for a good five minutes. I mean, like, viciously barking, not just, you know, like, barking at the mailman outside or whatnot, you know, type of bark. And I just laid there, I don't know, probably for a good couple hours until the sun came up. I mean, just terrified. And in the morning, you know, I went downstairs and, you know, there's nothing in my home. You know, there's nobody there. There's no signs of fourth century. There's no nothing. To this day, I, uh, that that has stuck with me as just being probably the scariest event ever in my life. And I didn't make it up. You know, I wasn't I'm not crazy. I'm not mentally ill. It uh, definitely, definitely terrifying. Wow. Never saw him again. No, I've never seen him again. And you know, it's it's stuck in my head. I've gone. You know, I'm 34 years old now. And after hearing that podcast, I'm like, oh my god, that describes. You know, because I don't know how to Google. You know, how do you Google that? Like man in flannel jacket, right? In your yeah. Home? Like, yeah. As I'm <laughs> so, as I'm writing the book, I'm finding out how frustrating it is to try to do you know find historical accounts of it. It's such a broad search term. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, what do you ghost in flannel? You know, I, I don't. I, I didn't really know what to, to write down, so I just never thought of it. And, and when they said it on the last podcast from Les, I was like, holy shit! What describes what I saw and from listening to your you know to, from listening to your podcast and the few people that called in or whatnot. Yeah, that is to the T what I what I saw. Wow, that's chilling. It's uh, it's definitely very, very scary. Yeah, I that... did experience a sleep paralysis event in our old home. Oh yeah. I woke up paralyzed, and I could feel like a, a woman or some sort of like entity right outside my field of view. That was very scary when I was a kid. There's a commonality with that too. Like there is some, you know, it seems like a good number of people have also experienced sleep paralysis. But like you they're pretty certain that it wasn't a sleep paralysis event when they saw Flannel Man. No, I, I was wide awake. I mean, I was. Yeah. I remember sitting up 
you know, back in the day when TV would be normal and then it would go into like infomercials and stuff at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I well, well, wide awake watching television. You know, it wasn't something where I dozed off and might have been dreaming or whatnot. I mean, when I saw him, I was sober and, and very awake. Yeah, and, that, and that's the case too. Like, they're, you know, people are pretty insistent. Like, no, this definitely wasn't a dream. Yeah, no, I was awake. He was there. And, it, you know, I've, I've only told that story to a handful of people. I mean, when we start talking to people about stuff like this, people are receptive towards, you know, haunting stories or people just go, oh, you know, I, you're crazy or whatever. So I haven't really told all that many people about it. Right. Not very many people, I think, experience haunting type of stuff uh, in their lives, or at least not very many people that want to talk about it. So I haven't really chatted to a lot of people about it. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the latter. I think more people than will ever come forward have had something weird happen. I just think a lot of people keep it to themselves. Yeah, and you know, I knew, um, you know, I was a, I was a sheriff's deputy for five years. Uh, I just recently quit, so we could be closer to family here. And uh, I, I knew cops that had experiences with stuff like that, and you know, they nobody's going to put it in a police report. Right. You know, it's not a crime necessarily. I remember one of our deputies went to a call. A lady said that she thought her house was haunted. At least salty old Marine Corps veteran. He's been a cop for a very long time. He went to this lady's house and he said, it could be career damaging to say stuff like this, you know, in, in an open setting when you're, you know, <laughs> it works. So he didn't really want to talk about it, but he said, yeah, there's definitely something inside this woman's house of finding like I don't know, hearing stuff in the walls and feeling this really evil type of energy where he left and told this lady to call a priest. Wow. Um, and, you know, you're not going to write a report and say, hey, I went to this house and I felt evil energy. You know, he just said, call a right. priest, lady, I'm leaving this my crime. Yeah, um, that's... I know another death that was on patrol near an area that's really haunted in the, in the area. I worked in a semi-rural area in Northern California. And uh, they heard on our radios in the middle of the night from this old, like, farmhouse that was reportedly haunted and I guess had been in some of the ghost hunting shows or whatnot before and they heard on the radio, like get out. And when the, when the hand mics are keyed, when the, the personal radio is keyed and for, for a law enforcement officer, they have a number assigned to it. Like the dispatch can look and say, Oh, you know, number one, two, three, four is assigned to deputy so-and-so. And they went to dispatch that night and said, who key, who said, get out on the radio. And it was just like a bunch of zeros or whatnot. It wasn't assigned to any, any deputy. Wow. But it definitely went out over the entire, you know, net over the entire network. Oh wow! Thank you so much for sharing your story. Hey, no worries. No worries at all. Do you do all the artwork uh, for your show? Yes, I do. Okay, it's awesome. I, I listen to a lot of metal, and some of the uh, some it reminds me of some of the older like metal covers from different bands. Yeah, I, I cut my teeth on that stuff growing up. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I could help you out. I like your art. Keep it up with the show, and uh, I'll I'll take a look up for some of your books. All right, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. And our final story is from Catherine, who saw some kind of entity in flannel somewhat recently. It's a short story, but it's pretty interesting. We are talking with Catherine, who saw maybe Flannel Man, saw a entity wearing flannel of some sort in a park. And I'll just go ahead and let you tell the story. You can be as general or specific as you want in regards to which park. It's, it's, it's really up to you how specific you want to get. And uh, just kind of take it away and tell us what you saw. 
Cool. So it was it was kind of interesting because I was leaving this. You know, I'll start with where we are. So we're at Makoshka State Park, which is in eastern Montana. And a lot of people say, like, don't even go to the eastern side of Montana because there's not much going on out there. And there really isn't. It's a very rural area. There's not a lot of people around. This park is the largest in Montana state park system. There's really just nobody around, especially if you're up in the backcountry. It's completely deserted. And it's this kind of badlands environment. It's sagebrush and ponderous pine trees and mostly just a lot of cliffs. And we have this A-frame up in the back that is, it's enormous. It, you know, like 40 people can stay there. And I was up there with a few of my friends and I, I left because I had to work the next day and I, I work at the park. And I, as I was leaving, I saw this guy standing on the side of the road. Um, and when I say the side of the road, this is a, like a barely a dirt road, like calling a road is kind of generous. And it's this figure standing there and he looked like he was just staring at me. He was really pale and he was wearing a dark brown flannel shirt and dark blue jeans. And he had brown hair and he didn't look that tall. He was kind of stocky, like kind of stocky and kind of shortish. I saw it and then I like, I, I looked again and it was like, I only saw the shadow as I was leaving and it was just really bizarre to me how clear of an image it was for something that didn't seem to really fully be there. Um, and so I was very freaked out as I drove the 30 minutes it takes to get out of the park. And I mentioned it to people the next day and it kind of turned into a joke, honestly, at the park, because I, I was like, ah, oh, flannel man's back there, you know, and I, I had never, I had no idea other people actually talked about this until I was listening to another podcast and they mentioned it and I was like, wait, what? This is a thing that other people have seen and they call it flannel man. So I don't know if it's the same thing, but I just thought it was really crazy that this is a, some kind of entity that other people call flannel man that they've seen in other places. And again, we, at the park, we kind of, I guess it's kind of a joke. Um, we say there's like a cryptid in Makoshika and it's this flannel man thing. And to be honest, I thought it was like maybe a ghost or something. We have found a lot of bodies back there. It's again, it's like this rural area. There's really, you know, it's kind of a free for all, but yeah, I just thought it was really strange that other people had seen this and it gave me like a really bad feeling. Like I was really freaked out and I knew it wasn't like, if it, it wasn't just like a person, it was, it was the kind of feeling where like, like you feel like you're being watched in a bad way. Almost. It was really bizarre, but yeah, that's pretty much it is I saw this thing and you know, we talk about it and it's kind of turned into like a little inside joke that we have and that we say that there's flannel man back there. And I'll even warn people if they go to stay at the A-Fair, I'm like, I'll look out for flannel man because he's lurking back there. <laughs> so you just kind of stumbled onto that name. You guys just kind of randomly started calling him flannel man. Yeah. I just, I right away, I was just like, it's flannel man. Like that's what it is. <laughs> uh, it's really weird. Yeah. Because I, I mean, uh, I, I didn't invent that name. I saw it on a, some internet forum years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, so that's just what we started calling him. We, I'm really looking for a better name for this guy, I think, <laughs> or, or this group of guys. They don't uh, seem to be the same exact thing people are seeing, but there's enough in common right. where 
where there, you know there's a lot of similarities between them. But uh, there's got to be a better name than Flannel Man, but uh, it, it's, it works. Right. For now, it seems like it works. Right. Could someone walk to that area, like just a normal person, without being dropped off in a car? Would that be, I mean, I suppose it would be possible, but would it be likely that someone would be there? It is very slightly possible, but it is very unlikely because it's really back there. I mean, and we would have seen any other vehicles that were there. It's a very open area, so you can see anyone that's around, and you would have seen the headlights because it's completely pitch black back there. I mean, you would see if there was anyone else. And basically, if it were another person, that is almost as weird because that would something's up. Like, that would be really bizarre if someone were wandering around there at that time of night because it was like mid, it was after midnight. It was like 1230. So for someone to be wandering around in the dark in the middle of the night, just staring at people that on this on the this dirt road would be almost as weird as seeing a strange entity to be honest right <laughs> it's an odd thing um and usually people i mean even at night people aren't going to give you the, the that kind of spooky feeling yeah or the the glare the strange empty eyed glare very odd did he seem to notice you it wasn't just he was staring off into space no it was like he was watching a couple follow-up questions, which may seem completely mm-hmm. unrelated, that, that there's reason for. Have you ever had experiences with seeing anything else uh, kind of weird and spooky? I haven't seen anything. I've had, like, weird, like, cold spot kind of feelings, but that's it. Okay. Nothing ever with any kind of sightings of black dogs, unexplainable black dogs, weird sightings of black um, dogs? I mean, I've had it. I guess I've had, like, really intense sleep paralysis before, but I don't remember ever seeing a dog. I did see, like, big, spooky shadow men, but I don't remember seeing any dogs. Okay, the sleep paralysis was, was then the uh, was the third question, so you have had sleep paralysis before. Yeah. But obviously you were completely 100% awake you were driving a car when this happened. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. It's short but sweet. It's very, very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thank you. thank all of our guests thanks for sending in their stories if you have a story about flannel man or anything unusual that you think we'd like to hear about we'd love to hear your story you can contact us at strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com if you are listening on itunes or stitcher or google play wherever you listen if you could leave us a good review and a good rating that really helps the podcast Thanks for listening to Strange Familiars, and we'll talk to you soon. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you are on Facebook, check out the Strange Familiars Gathering group. Just look up Strange Familiars Gathering. You can join on Facebook, and we share news about the show, 
kind of behind the scenes stuff, what we might be working on. We share news articles and members of the group share things they're working on and so forth. That's Strange Familiars Gathering on Facebook. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.